Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. We've been doing a series on walking through the storm, and today I want to pick that message up again. And I'd like you to turn with me in your Bible, and we're going to read from the book of Jonah. Jonah, the first chapter, verses 1 through 17. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broke. Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said to him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is your country? And what are your people? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and they said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may calm unto us? For the sea is wrought, and is temptuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. But they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried unto the Lord, and they said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, it's an incredible story. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at different storms. Pastor Taz spoke two weeks ago about 
a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, last week I spoke about a storm on the Mediterranean Sea. And these are different storms. They're, uh, and we've begun to compare these storms. Uh, we've compared them to the storms that we face in our lives. And we've taken time to reflect on how to survive and even flourish in the midst of these storms. But this morning I want to talk to you about a different kind of storm. Uh, I'm going to call it a Jonah storm. Jonah storms are storms of our own making. Jonah storms can vary in intensity, anything from a spring shower all the way to a Category 5 hurricane. Uh, if these storms, these Jonah storms, are not dealt with, they can become very deadly. What may start out as a light rainfall in a Jonah storm can grow to be something that is deadly for our lives. By the way, Jonah storms are the only storms that we have any control over. The storms are representative of the fact that there may be a fundamental spiritual problem in our lives. If we're going to survive a Jonah storm, we must take time to reflect on a few things regarding the conditions around the storm. Since these are the only storms over which we have any control, I think we need to first look of all look at look, uh, first of all look at uh, where they come from. So let's look at the causes of these Jonah storms. Uh, verses one through three describes it very, very powerfully and very, very accurately. It says, "Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, "Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me." But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, as we take time to study these scriptures, you're going to see not only in the life of Jonah, but in the lives of many of the characters in the Bible, uh, similar patterns. The reason I like the story of Jonah is because uh, when it comes to his life, this pattern plays out in three verses. Uh, the fact that the whole storm process can be explained in three verses makes Jonah the perfect candidate to reflect on how storms occur in our lives. He, he displays perfectly four of the major causes of how we create storms in our lives. Number one, disobedience to God. Disobedience will start a storm in your life. God tells Jonah to go down to Nineveh. But what does Jonah do? No, he boards a ship for Tarshish. Now, Nineveh is located to the east, east of where Jonah was. And it's in modern-day Iraq. Today, if you were to look at a map, it would be near the city of Mosul in Iraq. So it's very far to the east of where Jonah is currently at. Jonah, on the other hand, has decided to go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. He goes down to a city called Joppa, and he heads out into the Mediterranean Sea, which is uh, to Tarshish, which is completely the opposite direction. Now, Jonah did exactly opposite what God told him to do. Now, God never tells us or asks us to do something without having our best interests at heart. And for you and I, we have to understand that God only seeks your very best. He has a hope and a future for you. And it's important for us to understand that 
Whenever we are disobedient to what God is telling us to do, we're placing ourselves in a situation where we will suffer. We'll suffer the consequences because of our disobedience. In fact, uh, we, we need to understand something about God. James in chapter 1 and verse 17 says, But every good and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness or no shadow of turning. See, God doesn't change. God, God remains the same in everything that he does. He, he's constant. He, he doesn't, he's not light one day and dark the next. He's not hard to figure out. And God's desire is always the same for us. He never changes. He offers us a hope and a future. He's unchanging, and he only desires good and perfect gifts for his children. As a father watches over his children, so God watches over you and I. He desires the very, very best for our lives. God gives us instructions. He gives us reproofs. He gives us disciplines. But he does it for a reason. He desires to protect us and to see us prosper. We disobey God at our own peril. It is a dangerous place for you and I to set our wills against the will of God. Now, I've actually heard people say, uh, I know this isn't right but I'm going to do it anyway. I think that's a very dangerous place. Disobedience uh, could get you in a bad storm, a Jonah storm. The second thing that we see about Jonah is that he was self-seeking. He was self-absorbed, selfish, self-interested, self-indulgent. Now, that's something we all have to watch out in our lives. We can become very self-seeking. We can become self-absorbed. We can become selfish. We can only think about ourselves and be indulging of ourselves. This framework and this attitude leads itself to uh, coddling and indulging our flesh. We end up doing what's easiest for ourselves. We become moved by our preferences rather than our convictions. Kind of reminds me of the, the movie uh, Finding Nemo, I think is the name of it. And uh, I, I love the scene. Uh, in fact, I want to play it here for you. Your rat's with wings. I've been looking for his boy Nemo. Nemo? He was taken off the reef by divers, and this... They're taking it, Harvey! Hey, hey, say that again. You just said something about Nemo. What was it? Fight, fight, fight! Mine? So there you see it. Mine, 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 mine. That's a picture of who we are when we begin to be self-indulgent. We only think about ourselves. Me, 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 mine, 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 mine. I, 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 I. We all want what we want. But that can lead us to the very disobedience that we're talking about. We want to do the part, or I want to do the part I want to do. Not the part God said to do. See, Jonah didn't want to do what God said to do. So he didn't. And he paid the price. Jonah wanted to do what he wanted to do. Jonah cared more about feeling good than about obeying God. The danger in this is that what feels good and what is good is often different. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says it this way. It says, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. See, we, we all know the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil. Uh, while wrong and bad may feel good for the moment, it can lead to a lifetime of consequences. One moment of sin can lead you to something that you'll regret the rest of your life. And, and disobedience is a sin, and although it might feel good at the moment to disobey, I think by even looking at this story of Jonah, we can see that sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and always cost you more than you want to pay. The third thing in Jonah's life is that he had become spiritually indifferent. He became contemptful of God and neglectful of God. We can become spiritually indifferent. We can show contempt and neglect of our spiritual lives. Uh, Proverbs 9 and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Jonah has knowingly disregarded the spiritual warfare that was going on around him. The enemy of God, which is Satan, ultimately, had a plan for Nineveh. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh to do one thing, to kill, to rob, and to destroy. And uh, God has another plan. God had a plan for Nineveh. And we see it here in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. That was God's plan, was for them to repent. Now, Jonah failed to realize that he had an opportunity to either be the servant of God or the servant of the enemy. It, it kind of reminds me of a young man that I had in my church. In fact, he'd kind of grown up in the church in Zimbabwe. And, he, and I knew him as a young man, and then he was in our church for a season, and then he eventually backslid and, and then eventually ended up actually suffering a very, very untimely and violent death. And uh, this young man uh, was a leader. I mean, he, he was charismatic, he was powerful, and anywhere he led, he had this amazing gift of leadership. And he would lead for good, like, like all leaders, they're going to lead. They're going to lead regardless of what. And, and I often see leaders, and they're leading for bad. If you can get them turned around, they can lead for good. Well, when he led for good, he led well. But when he backslid, he led for bad. But he had that same amazing gift of leadership. And he led a number of men out of my church and into, uh, I would say, even questionable uh, lifestyles. And uh, eventually it led him to death. He, he did work often to try to get back to where he was. But he was self-indulgent. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is that this, uh, the gifts of God, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And, and we see this in Jonah's life. Jonah uh, is a leader. God called him. There's something on him. And instead of following God, he, he's, he's leading for bad at the, at the moment in time. And, and I think all of us have to come to the realization that we cannot live our lives with little or no regard for spiritual matters. Uh, they are life for us. And that leads me to my fourth point, which is second-guessing. God. Uh, it is the highest form of arrogance for someone to think that we could know better than God what should be done in a situation. It's really a form of conceit. 
it makes it, it's it's the highest form of conceit. Have you have you ever wondered why Jonah did what he did? I mean, was he frightened to go to Nineveh? Was he intimidated by the magnitude of the assignment? Uh, but if you, I think if we look at Jonah, the uh, fourth chapter, you'll, you'll kind of get a picture of it. In verses one through two of the fourth chapter of Jonah, it says, "But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry." And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, that you're merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. See, (laughs) I know that sounds kind of strange because here's a prophet of God and he's on assignment by God. But he doesn't want to do it. He's very angry at God. He's very angry at this people. You see, Jonah knew that God could and would change Nineveh. But he didn't want Nineveh changed. He wanted them destroyed. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians, who had a long-standing, and they were violent enemies of the Israelites. And as such, they were hated by the Israelites. There had been ongoing wars. Now, if you study this spiritually, the uh, Assyrians always represent the power of the flesh. Israel always represents the power of the spirit when you, do, when you see it from a spiritual point of view. It, it was an ongoing battle, and they were vicious people. These people, would uh, they were murderous, and they would uh, violate their women. They would kill everything. The, the, the Israelites hated these people. But... Uh, He knew that God would help these people to come to a place of repentance. And uh, the fact is, he was impacted by his own political and religious bias. He was hoping for judgment, not forgiveness. You know, many of us can find ourselves in major difficulties when we think our own counsel is wiser and sounder than God's counsel. Our own prejudices can rise up in our own lives and move us from God's will to something else. The world has become so progressive in its thinking that any of us who hold to the word of God are rejected outright as being biased, old-fashioned, irrelevant, and even backward. Uh, We're being challenged by a whole new culture that has redefined terms, redefined genders, races, and political philosophies. We live in an age that calls good evil and evil, evil good. Many people believe that the Bible is outdated and somehow irrelevant for the day and age that we live in. We're constantly being told by science or to, uh, that, that science holds the answers for mankind. But the truth is, although some might think God and his word are outdated or old-fashioned, eventually we all learn, hopefully sooner than later, that God knows best. We're watching a a war take place right now in the world, not only physically, but in a very uh, almost clandestine way. I mean, we have some physical wars that have just erupted in in the Middle East and things again this week. But uh, we see another war that's not being fought with guns. It's a war for the morals and the values of society itself. Many people think that we fought the sexual revolution and somehow had won it. But that battle has shifted from 
sexual freedom to something else now. It's uh, raging in different fronts. And uh, this, this war is shifting all the time. Uh, we are still fighting the sexual revolution, but it's now in the battlefields of uh, support for the unborn child, the, against abortion, uh, the, uh, that scourge that has so decimated so many people. It, it, we're, we're coming against the uh, attack on families and uh, the attack by AIDS and the rampant plague of sexual, tra sexually transmitted diseases that is ravaging our society. You see, this, this warfare has multiplied itself on many fronts, and, and they're social fronts with people redefining terms and ideas and ideals. On many fronts, we're losing this battle, thinking we are in the midst of a kind of a cultural progress we have actually cast off the remaining moorings and we're adrift in a sea and an ocean of lawlessness and immorality. There is no more restraint. We're just kind of at the whim of what the next thing that comes down the pike is. I'm afraid that we may be reaping the whirlwind as a society because we collectively have disobeyed. We've become self-absorbed and self-indulgent. We've become spiritually negligent and we thought of ourselves as being more clever than God himself. So how do we stop these storms? Or better yet, how do we prevent them? I want to talk about a few responses that we can have. Uh, let's start by reading the Bible here. Jonah chapter 1, verse 12, it says, And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm for you, and I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Jonah knew something. You see, our response to these Jonah storms, actually it must be a two-pronged reproach. We have to look at it from two different attacks. Just like when we're confronted by a disease, we have to deal with both the prevention and the cure. So often people only go for the cure, but you know, you can prevent a lot of disease in your life if you'll just Think about what you're doing with your body. And, and, and if you're only thinking cure, well, then you're going to be at the mercy of a bunch of doctors. And, and, and guess what? It's usually too late when it's time for the cure. But if you're doing prevention, then when you need the cure, they work hand in hand. So we, let's look at both sides of that. Let's, let's talk about storm prevention. Uh, as I said earlier, these Jonah type of storms are the only storms that can be prevented. We are the ones who have control over what these storms look like. We have control over how long they last and even if they'll hit at all. So if you want to avoid a Jonah storm, here's a few things we need to do. Number one, listen to God. Listen to what he has to say. The Bible is the blueprint for your life. If you choose to build according to the blueprint, you will most likely have a life that will stand and survive any storm that comes your way. But if you don't, you are more than likely going to suffer all kinds of loss. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says it this way. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came, there's the storm, and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man 
which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, same storm, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. See, we can see the same principle being applied in the life of Joshua in the uh, beginning stages of the Israeli conquest of the promised land. And uh, they're just about to enter the promised land. And what does God say to Joshua? He says this in Joshua 1 and verse 8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, but then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to listen to what God is saying. We need to listen to the Word of God. Secondly, we need to obey God. It's not enough to just listen to what He's saying, but we have to obey Him. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is the prophet Samuel speaking to the then king of the, of the realm. His name was Saul. And he says this, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Mm. These words were spoken to Saul, the king of Israel, just before his kingship was taken from him. Saul knew what God wanted but Saul didn't do it. You see, we can't afford to live our lives as Christians worshiping on a Sunday in the morning and then living like God doesn't really care or exist Monday to Saturday. We cannot disobey God without suffering some kind of consequence. Let's talk for a minute about the cure for the storm. You know, when we find ourselves, prevention is one thing, but cure is another. When we find ourselves in the midst of a Jonah storm, there may only be one way out. Uh, I have come back to this theme again and again this year. Uh, I've been wrestling with it. I think you've heard my messages. Uh, but I believe it's the very core of everything we must do to see God's will fully realized in our lives. You see, the cure in the midst of the storm is repentance. Repentance. Repentance is such a key message to us as Christians. Jonah repented. Now, he did so with great reluctance, and he was very stubborn. He tells the crew, throw me overboard. Now, notice this. Jonah didn't ask to be lowered into a lifeboat so that he could make his way back to Nineveh. No. He wanted to be thrown overboard because he would rather die than obey God. The truth be told, his storm was only just beginning. The Bible says that God had prepared a fish to swallow him. I always try to imagine what it must have been like to be in the digestive system of a great fish for three days and three nights. With seaweed wrapped around your head and God only knows what kinds of smells and other half-digested creatures floating around you. Can you imagine what went through Jonah's mind? This is when you begin to review your life. 
This is when you begin to think about what are you doing? In fact, listen to what Jonah's prayer was. In, in, in Jonah 2 and verse 4, it says, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Verse 7, he goes on and says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, unto thine holy temple. And again in verse 9, he says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay all that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I don't know if you can hear the cry of a man's heart, but I know this. My, my wife, Pastor Bonnie, always tells us about the power of worship. And, and she says that the words that uh, are used in this passage of Scripture in the Hebrew is actually one of, he began to praise God. In the midst of the belly of the whale, as he began to praise the Lord, his release began to come. So here we, here we see not only repentance, but a worship of God, uh, returning back to, I will worship you in the temple, I will seek your face. And we see that this repentance takes hold in Jonah's life. At the same time, this fish gets a bad case of indigestion. And the Bible says in Jonah 2 and verse 10, And the Lord spoke unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on the dry land. We all know what that fish said. He says, you can't keep a good man down. The second Jonah repented, I want you to know something. Immediately, the storm was over. Immediately, John, Jonah got vomited up. But where did he get vomited up onto? The beach in Nineveh. That's where he got vomited up. That ship had moved him in three days and three nights all the way to his destination. This was not how God originally intended for Jonah to arrive in Nineveh. But I want you to know something. Many scholars believe that it did have a powerful, powerful effect on the people. Because the, the people of Nineveh worshipped a god called Dagon. Dagon was the fish god. It was a, a fish head with a human body and arms. And it, was, it, was a, and, and, and it was quite a prevalent worship in that era, in that day, in that area. Uh, and when Jonah came uh, and was carried in the mouth of a big fish and was vomited up on the seashore, right there at Nineveh, it had a prophetic significance to the people. Can you imagine? Now, I don't know what Jonah looked like. I don't know what he smelled like. I don't know if the, the, the digestive juices had turned his skin to a different color. I, I'm, I'm not sure what actually happened there. And I think you can project a lot of things. But I do know this. All I know is that God will never waste a moment of suffering or a moment of trial in our lives. But if we want to stop living through Jonah storms, we have to start making better choices. We have to start making better decisions. We have to start following better advice. We must start seeking out godly counsel. We have to listen to what God is saying about our lives. Let me, let me close this morning with a warning. When we listen to this message, I, I think that we could make two very serious mistakes from this message this morning. Uh, first of all, we're in danger of stopping and, fail, and failing to look at our lives in a critical way. And, and many of us may end up simply you know, discounting our lives and living as victims of storms that uh, are not in the category that we have just spoken about. Uh, you, you know, uh, 
You know, when we, when we fail to take time and assess our lives, we make a grave mistake. Uh, see, a lot of people just attribute everything to chance. You know, well, I, I, you know, we just had bad luck. It was just a bad storm. And, you know, and, and there are storms out there. But if you don't take a look at what's going on in your life, if you don't really look, you may miss the fact that you created the storm. On the other hand, if we ascribe all storms to this category of Jonah storm, we also may find ourselves becoming way too introspective. There are times when the storm is because of us. Sometimes we have done something wrong. We do have a fault. But there are many times that you don't. Sometimes it's just a storm. You had nothing to do with it at all. So I think it's a matter of discerning which type of storm it is. And this becomes of vital importance to you and I. You see, Jonah storms are storms that none of us should go through. We should all learn to stay out of them. There are plenty of storms for each of us to face in the world. But I believe it's important to do all we can to avoid the storms of our own making. Now, perhaps today, as we close this meeting, you're sitting there saying, man, I realize that I've created some of the storms of my life. I'm in a Jonah storm at the moment. That's where you need to repent. That's turning to God and saying, God, forgive me. Get me out of the belly of this whale. Help me get out of this storm. And, you know, God's quick to turn to the heart of someone who turns to him. If you're in that condition today, whether you are a believer or not, this would be a great time to turn to God, to turn to Jesus, to turn your life around, to repent, to begin to choose, to obey God. This is a great time to not only obey the voice of God, but to listen for his voice and to follow through on some of the things that you vowed, that you said you would do. So I want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe you don't know how to do that on your own and you'd like some help. Right there on the screen, there are some phone numbers. You can phone those numbers right now. And there's somebody on the other end of that line that can help you. They can either help you directly or they can get you to somebody, a pastor or a professional counselor that can help you deal with the issues that you're facing. We want to see you be successful. God wants you to be successful. And we want to help you find that pathway, that pathway of success that can only come through our obedience to Jesus Christ. Let's get out of these Jonah storms together. Let's walk together. One of the greatest ways to get out of a Jonah storm, let me just say it this way, is that we, we need each other. I'm more cognizant of the fact that I need fellowship than I've ever been in my entire life. This COVID thing knocked us all. But I'm finding that my friendships are deepening. I'm finding that through the cell groups, through different forms of fellowship, through our prayer meetings, through the men's meetings, through the women's meetings, I'm beginning to build great, great relationships. God wants that for you as well. And again, you can use that phone number right there on the screen. Phone somebody. Find out where the nearest cell group is for you. Find out how to get involved. Find out how to get there. By the way, the church is open now, so we need you to come back, back to church. We're going to be fellowshipping, and I want to encourage you. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. But much, much more as that day approaches, as the day of Christ approaches, and you can see what's happening around the world. That day is approaching. So I want to encourage you. Get back in fellowship. Turn your heart. Repent. And let's not have any more Jonah storms. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony, 
or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.